Hello and welcome to Name Drop San Diego. I'm Abby Hamblin, host of this podcast along with Christy Todd. On Name Drop San Diego, the idea is to introduce you to an interesting San Diegan who you can name drop to your friends. Or we bring on guests who are well-known faces in San Diego and help you get to know them a little bit better. Our guest on this episode may qualify in both ways, depending on who you are. Joanne Fields is a San Diegan who is deeply involved in advocacy work and has been for years. She comes from a long line of advocates who have been seeking better representation and recognition of San Diego's Filipino community, but she's also an advocate for all communities of color in San Diego's South Bay. Some of her recent leadership efforts include developing a Filipino COVID-19 task force, a Lumpia Club luncheon for Filipino-American professionals to network before the pandemic, and being a voice against hate and violence toward Asian Americans and Asian Pacific Islanders. She's worked for a number of elected officials in San Diego County and is just one of those people who knows how to get things done. Here's our interview with Joanne Fields. In an online bio we read about you, um, we read that you say that advocacy is in your bloodline. So what do you mean when you say that? My grandmother, an advocate. I didn't know uh, how strong of an advocate and she's a go-to person uh, uh, when, when she was living and, uh, you know, oh, I need an appointment at uh, the embassy for a visa or I'm like, why are they going to her for that? And I, re- I remember distinctly that she would get ready every election cycle to be um, a poll uh, captain or inspector and she would work the election polls. And I didn't know the significance of that role until I got older. And then with my mom, my aunties, all my aunties, they, my, my mom's youngest sister, she does a lot of missionary work. She goes to the Philippines and helps uh, those in need on medical missions. My aunt, she worked decades in um, the, Samahan Senior uh, Association. So they fed uh, Filipino seniors at the Filipino Veterans Hall off Market Street for years uh, until uh, funding was cut from the County of San Diego. But again, then when it was happening, I didn't understand, you know, where the resources were coming, the grants. And, and then my mom, my mom was a president of the Filipino Women's Club. Uh, My aunt was as well. That's the oldest uh, Filipino organization in the county of San Diego. So when I say I come from a bloodline of of leaders, especially Filipina and Panay leaders, it's my grandmother, it's my mom, it's my aunties, and I'm very proud of that. What was your first foray into advocacy? Well, uh, I didn't know I was in, into advocacy because I was voluntold as a kid. You know, I, I need to go to this meeting. I need to uh, set up for uh, this event. And I didn't know um, I was really in training then for advocacy. 
you know, um, the women's club, uh, they have uh, an initiative to help women in transition that may have been coming out of a domestic violence uh, situation. And uh, I grew up around that. But again, being a young kid, I, I didn't know the significance uh, of that. Or when um, my parents, would, they would organize um, our town uh, uh, picnic. So in uh, the Philippines, um, my parents are from Asingan, Pangasinan. Asingan is the town, Pangasinan is um, the, it's like the county, <laughs> um, if I was to compare it. Like I live in Chula Vista, California. They're from Asingan, Pangasinan. So um, to keep our culture, our heritage, but the fellowship with their town mates, uh, they would organize activities. And so I was a part of that. And it used to be a statewide organization. So we would go to the Bay, LA, here in San Diego. But as I grow older, and now there's advocacy work, the people that I need to talk to, the leadership in our community, those are my aunties and uncles that I would go to the annual picnic. And I can call them and say, hey, I need help advancing this Stop API Hate Summit. So I got people that will call in or listen in or you know just share information, whereas like, I was just thinking as a little kid, I have to go to another meeting, <laughs> but, but, right. but really I was, I was in training. <laughs> so having been so involved in advocacy, what have you noticed from kind of when your grandparents were advocates to when your parents were advocates, um, how, how, how the issues have stayed the same for Filipinos in San Diego County versus, you know, what's, what you're fighting for today? I think um, for my generation, we're more vocal. And not to say, um, you know, my mom or my grandmother, but they were nice. They're nice about it, you know? And uh, nowadays, like, uh, I'm not submissive. And, and not to say, submit, like, my mom would say, you know, there's different styles of leadership. And, you know, um, the diploma, uh, diplomacy, you know, and for me, being around different groups, the more progressive groups, we have to use our voice. And I really think because they were, they being my mom, they call it first generation. So you've immigrated from the Philippines here to um, San Diego. So I'm the firstborn Filipino Americans, so they call us second generation. And our first generation, they're, they're chasing the American dream. They're looking for better opportunities. But for me, I feel like our generation, we're trying to make sure we have our equal share of the American pie. Because working alongside our African American, our Latino communities, I'm seeing, hey, why don't we have this in our community? Why don't we have this program? Or why don't we have these resources? And again, I look to my elders for that leadership and that guidance, uh, but I feel like we need to get into fourth gear or even fifth gear. So we need to move it along faster. And we do that through advocacy. We do that with our elected officials and decision makers, and we need to be at the table. So that's why I, I feel like there's a, uh, 
another generation on, on board. And, and then there's younger than me. I, I have adult children now. And I hear my kids telling me about the issues. My, my youngest son was telling me about the electoral college as, as the uh, election was wrong. I was like, wow, I didn't know he, he was really that involved in it, but he was. And um, I'm excited about that because I, I teeter-totter on, on how much I expose um, my kids. Like, I don't want to force it, but I, I, I'm, I'm hoping they'll be interested and they are. So I, I am excited about that. But again, um, I think uh, when you give an opportunity for people to have that critical thinking or to demonstrate their leadership um, skills, people will step up. Uh, you have to have that opportunity. That's what I'm seeking. We're not just myself. We need, we, we need to duplicate all, all the voices um, and, and raise our, our concerns and, and uh, I think we need, we just need that period. <laughs> I know you're really involved in the Stop AAPI um, hate, and I know that there have been incidents here locally, but I mean, what, what are you working towards and, and what do you see as the solution to anti-Asian hate? I really think that people hate or because they, they fear and they fear what they do not know. And there's also the fact that people only know what they know. So if you don't know how big the Asian Pacific Islander umbrella is, how diverse it is, the different backgrounds uh, that we have, then it's easier to just not like someone because someone said that they're the cause of COVID-19. It's the Chinese flu. It's the Kung flu. So it's easier just to, to believe that, especially if you see that person that I'm um, saying this is a leader, if you look to him as a leader, then you, it's easier to believe it. But I believe if we have opportunities to learn about each other's culture, each other's heritage, to uh, work um, side by side, because uh, I, I am an advocate for Black Lives Matter. I am an advocate to stop API hate, but I don't think we should work just in silos. We really need to work together. It is wrong for anyone to be murdered. It is wrong for police brutality. It is wrong when someone tries to hush your voice. So that happens in, in every community. We had uh, an incident in uh, North, uh, Northern California where there was an episode uh, of uh, a break, mental breakdown. Family called the police. Police officer kneeled on the neck of their, uh, the son. He died two days later. The same type of incidents as George Floyd. But people will say, oh, the reaction is different. Da, 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 da. But, but the result is the same. They both died. And that's both wrong. So um, I'd rather have us come together. And that's why we are having this virtual uh, town hall. So we can really define what is a hate crime, define what it means to be Asian Pacific Islander, and really work together to find a solution. Because it didn't happen just today. It's been happening, right? So I, I, I look to my elders, 
for solutions. I look to our, our young people to, to see if they have a, a suggestion of, of how we, we, we should address this. But I think it's a combination of um, having a dialogue. It is a combination of possibly policy change um, and uh, education. We, we need to educate folks because we only know what we know. And again, I, I believe there's people that fear others because they, they don't know where they're coming from or they don't know their, their experiences and, and why they act the way they do. Well, speaking of not working in silos, I think that's a great point. Um, but how would you say San Diego does, you know, as a community? Like, are, are the communities joined together or is there work to be done? Um, the situation that we're in with Stop API Hate, I think, is bittersweet because now more um, communities um, amongst Asian Pacific Islanders are um, coming together in different coalitions, um, whereas, you know, we, we, we did not have that uh, uh, coalition building um, as rapid as it is now. And then we also have folks that are saying that outside of the API community that I support you. I stand by you. How can I help? We didn't have that. But while we have your attention now, these are the issues that we need to address. So we have to be ready. And again, it, it's part of that education process of, of what do we need? And, um, you know, the, the vigils, the rallies, we need that because that's an outlet to let out the anger, the frustrations. But what's after? What's after the march? What's after? Uh, the vigil. What is the systemic change that we want? And I think that comes with, with the dialogue that we're starting to have. And then more importantly, the action that will be taken after. So what are those things as far as educating people? I mean, you have the mic now, hopefully a lot of people hear this on our podcast. Like what are some of the main, you know, things, not just in the API community, but specifically for Filipinos you know, are, are the biggest needs, do you think? And then what are also are some things that you would like to celebrate by sharing about, um, you know, as you describe as people who are different from you, you know, what do you want people to know about the community? What I would like people to know is that, again, I, I, I keep pointing out uh, the data and um, that's another bittersweet point for me. It's like, ah, uh, I don't like the fact that we have to prove that we even exist, right? That we are Filipinos. We are the second largest ethnic group after Latinos, according to the U.S. Census. We do have, you know, uh, challenges. We're not all valedictorians. And did you know, because of that pressure to excel, that we also have the highest rate of suicidal um, ideation? Did you know that pressure um, affects not just uh, the, the student, um, but the stress that goes on in, in the family to excel because they did come to the United States to for a better opportunity? There is a lot of pressure in that. Um, so, so don't think that you know everyone has a silver spoon. You're doing great. You have big because they do work hard. But do you know how many generations might live in that household so that you can get that house? Or how many um, sacrifices are made or how many jobs are worked for that? And, and not to say that not everyone is like that, but we, we do strive for that. Everyone in my family um, came to the United States, stayed with us 
for a while until they were able to pool their money and buy their own place, their house or car. And, you know, I, I'm, I appreciate that, that we do do that because other, other ethnic groups don't or, or communities don't. So um, that's something that I, I would like people to know is that uh, we do work hard and I feel like sometimes too hard. Um, we don't avail of a lot of scholarships. Like I know if in, in other communities um, that there are um, not just scholarships, but opportunities that are uh, available for small business. But because we don't have that information readily available, we don't have people uh, really outreaching into our communities. That's why we have to make ourselves visible and say, hey, we're here too. We have small businesses that need PPP. We also have, um, you know, uh, healthcare workers that um, don't have very high paying jobs and work two or three skilled nursing facilities to make it. So uh, yeah, we, we, we have a concern that we have a high number of COVID-19 cases, but without disaggregated data, we don't know what that exact number is. But as a whole, as Asians, it looks like we're all getting vaccinated. But let's ask, again, who is Asian? That's Chinese, Vietnamese, Japanese, Korean, Thai, Lao, Cambodian, Hmong. And what about our native Hawaiian Pacific Islanders? That's a huge community as well. That's Micronesian, Polynesian, Melanesian, including native Hawaiians, Samoans, Chamorro, Tongans, and more. You so make a, <laughs> you make a good point. That's a long list, right? <laughs> But, but yet we're doing all good. We're, we're all doing well. You're all valedictorians. You guys are always this and that. And I'm like, no, we're not. And, and we, we didn't mention that we also have South Asians, Pakistani, Bangladesh, Sri Lankan. We're all lumped together, but we're all doing well. So I, and, and when, when I say that, sometimes it's like, I, I don't want to say that we're good and bad, but I'm just saying that it's very diverse. We have diverse needs. Yes, some of us are, are very successful, yes. But some of us are not doing too well. Some of us do have family members that are not sheltered, that are homeless. We have folks that are underinsured, underemployed, and but we don't talk about that. They don't talk with us and we don't, we don't promote it. So how do we address it? So I, I, again, I, I think with the leadership that we have um, now at, with our elected officials, they're new that and they're open. Again, I, I, I keep hearing equity, equity, equity. What does that mean? So let's talk about that. And let's talk about that with the different community stakeholders so that we truly have equity and, and we, we can um, make uh, quality uh, changes um, in, in the community. Uh, well, speaking of COVID-19, I know you put together a task force, a Filipino COVID-19 task force. Uh, why was that necessary and, and what are you trying to accomplish? So that was necessary because there was a county task force and I sat in a couple meetings. I'm like, hey, we don't have representation here. So if we're not invited to the party, we're creating our own party. And that's the, the task force. And we included 
experts in uh, the healthcare system uh, with uh, Dr. Ungab, Dr. Tabila, um, our chief nursing officer at Paradise Valley, um, so that we can put resources together and share it out into our community. We didn't see active outreach. So why wait when, why not put it together? We'd like to have resources to, to have the collateral, the big websites and all of that, but we can't wait. This pandemic is here. People are dying. There's people in, in our network. Our first month in January, there was five prominent Filipinos that passed away. And it's, it was just so frustrating. Like what do we need to do again to prove that we're here and to prove that it's affecting our community and not to say we're, I don't ever wanna pit ourselves uh, against anyone, but again, we're having to prove that we exist so that we can have outreach, we can have contact tracers so that we can have testing and vaccines in our neighborhoods that are readily accessible. Because I can't expect our 95-year-old Mr. Dalinden to drive to, you know, Kearney Mesa for for an uh, an appointment. We need we need it in our closer to our neighborhoods and so that it's accessible, like all other communities that they're advocating for, especially in the South Bay where we have the largest and highest number of COVID-19 cases. So. Again, it, it, it's bittersweet when we, we ask for disaggregated data. Um, and I say bittersweet because we need to know, are we moving the needle in the Filipino community, in the Pakistani community, in the native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander community? We can't say that in confidence without, without that, that data. And I say bittersweet because it's unfortunate that we have to, to, to do that. Yeah, I know you told us before you uh, got on this interview that you were helping wrangle appointments for people and via direct uh, link for people to get their appointments. So you are so involved in the community, as you said, from having worked with public officials to, you know, starting all these different organizations. So people, a lot of people know you uh, from your work, but we want to get to know you a little bit more personally. So we have some rapid fire questions for you, if that's okay. Okay, rapid fire. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Uh, so first one is, what's your favorite place to eat in San Diego? Favorite place to eat in San Diego depends on my mood. Uh, if you ask me uh, right now, I would say Korean kitchen, just because I, I, I have a, yeah. All right. Just period. <laughs> I like the way you answered that. Nobody's really answered, like, depending on my mood right now. Yeah. <laughs> what do you order there? Uh, I like there's this uh, galbi uh, uh, combo with a tofu soup. Oh my gosh! Yes. Spicy. Yes, thank you. Amazing. That sounds <laughs> so good. Last night it was ramen, <laughs> ramen for my mom's birthday. Uh, so it really depends on my mood. I like mm. all kinds of food, so I don't discriminate. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Awesome. Okay, what is the best beach in San Diego? Best beach is ah. Uh, Coronado. I want to say IB because I lived in the South Bay. Um, but Coronado, since my son works for a popular hotel there and it's real pretty and nice mm. walk. <laughs> okay. 
what is the advice you often give the most that I give the most? Yeah. Uh, life is too short. And, uh, so you live every day, like it's your last. As I received that advice from my mom, why be miserable? It's your Mm -hmm. choice to be happy. Life is too short. If you were putting together a time capsule and you could pick one thing to put in it to represent yourself, what would you put into the time capsule? Um, uh, Maybe my uh, passport because I like to travel. Um, I would say my keys because uh, I do drive a lot. <laughs> uh, so anything with travel uh, mm-hmm. is, is something for the time capsule. I bet you I, so- I went with my passport because I, I didn't want to bring too many IDs and you can use that forever. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet, you know, all your responsibilities, I bet you have a lot of keys to a lot of different places <laughs> that, that you have to manage. Uh, what's your favorite place that you've traveled or where do you like to go the most? everybody will say Chicago I love Chicago (laughs) I love the festivals I like the different uh, seasons that you see there but then you get to come home because I don't want to deal with shoveling snow Mm -mm. I don't like excessive heat and humidity but I like to visit so uh, Chicago how do you like to relax when you're not working oh I'd like to be in an uh, air-conditioned hotel suite uh, <laughs> with a beach uh, view. Yeah, that's that's how I like to decompress. Love but it. if I'm not in a hotel, I'm in my room. Now people are going to know. I call it the bat cave because I have the blackout <laughs> curtains. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, so we don't know what time it is because it's just dark in my room. And I can flick on the AC uh unit that is <laughs> and make it uh cold and have the tv like you know so that's how i tried to decompress if i can decompress but that, that's my ideal situation I, I i like it uh dark and cold by myself and i try to turn off the phone which is kind of hard to do but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah those blackout curtains sound awesome i need to get some of those so, yeah um what is careful you gotta have a clock somewhere like oh my god it's 10 o'clock it's a game changer though lets (laughs) you sleep yeah what last one is what is something that you've watched on streaming or a movie lately that you just really loved okay it's kind of corny but it's a it's a series um it's just on netflix um young and hungry (laughs) it's it's comedy to me, <laughs> but it, it's not like a real popular uh, show, but that, that's what's grabbing my attention right now. I'm binge watching it. So I, I do a lot of that now because since we have to stay at home, um, yeah, Netflix has become my friend. And so I started watching, you know, any series uh, that are out there and currently it's uh, Young and Hungry. <laughs> Very cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that concludes the lightning round, but I wanted to ask you about the uh, Lumpia Club luncheon that you started. Uh, yeah. First of all, what are you having for lunch? <laughs> and second of all, you know, what, what are some of the topics you're tackling? So the Lumpia Club, we have to go on hiatus because of the pandemic, but it is a monthly luncheon that we will restart. Um, 
It is mirrored by uh, other community um, monthly luncheons. So as you can see, um, I like to not recreate the wheel. If it works for others, it, it can work for us. So um, because of the work I've done with other elected officials and other organizations, um, we have to network. So monthly in the Latino community, you can go to Abondigas. Uh, luncheon or in the Asian Business Association, they had the Rice Club. Um, uh, we also had in the African American community, um, the Catfish Club. So there's always a food theme. So, okay, what does everybody know about the Filipino community? Everyone knows lumpia. So whether you are vegetarian or not, I can serve it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And um, we'll have that um, as a combo at Villa Manila National City, which is our business hub um, uh, for the Filipino community. And we would invite decision makers, elected officials to tell us, you know, the, what, what is going on today and, and how can we as the Filipino community advance whatever that may be. So we've had um, guests that included Congresswoman Susan Davis, uh, Mayor uh, Mary Salas in Chula Vista. We've had Pablo Velez, the CEO of Sharp uh, Chula Vista. So um, it's just an array of, of uh, uh, decision makers in the community networking with Filipino uh, professionals from different sectors of the community. That, that was something also very important um, with the Lumpia Club that because uh, like being a member of the Filipino Educators Association, your membership are all educators. Or if you're in the Chamber of Commerce, you're talking business to business. Well, again, I don't wanna work in a silo. So let's have this luncheon where everyone can come. Everyone can have a great Filipino lunch and, and interact with our, again, our decision makers in the community. And uh, we usually meet, I believe that was the last or fourth uh, Wednesday of the month um, at Villa Manila. So once uh, we're able to get into that tier so we can uh, congregate, uh, I'll make sure to invite both of you to be our guests. Uh, we can talk about uh, your, your podcast and, and really how uh, the Union Tribune is um, getting more involved in the community. I think this is really different. And there's different mediums. You're taking this, uh, you know, online with, with the podcast and print and um, again, online. So I think that's exciting. And, uh, but everybody needs to know, right? So uh, yeah, that's why we have the Olympia Club. Awesome, we'll be there. <laughs> Yeah, it's been too long since I've had some lumpia. I, I'm, I'm like craving it now. <laughs> <laughs> so you often help other people navigate, you know, the systems of government and resources in this town. Are you ever going to run for office? Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe um, uh, way back when, but um, I, I really want to see us open uh, Filipino resources resource center. Um, I'm very uh, passionate about that. Um, I want something for our API community. And um, that won't, there's not a lot of time to, to divide when you're trying to develop that and run. I really believe um, a great elected official is one that is available to the community, 
who you serve, who elected you. And um, it's hard to, to balance all of that and, and, and get things done. So maybe in the future, maybe when I get it done, because <laughs> I have a huge uh, uh, bucket list, uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what the possibilities. But if you're asking me today, am I filing papers? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, you have, you have a lot on your plate. But, I mean, that does seem like a natural trajectory for you. So if it happens, I, I would not be surprised. Um, just Just one final question for you. You know, you've talked so much in this conversation just about visibility and just being like fight fighting just to be seen, just to say like, hey, we're over here, like we have these needs. Um, like, how will you know when you've accomplished that? Like, how do you how will you know that that you are being seen, the community is being seen, and you can sort of move on to to different work? The fact that we're talking right now, I feel like I'm moving in the right direction because. If you look five years ago, or even a year ago, how many Filipinos did you interview, right? Five, 10 years ago, very rare. And then let's open it up to how many Asian Pacific Islanders did you interview throughout the year in, in stories? So I, I feel like we are moving in the right direction. So I feel like um, we are being seen and being heard. Um, our elected officials are, are reaching out, um, asking, uh, like there was a, a candidate, uh, I won't say who, but on the 79th district, um, where there is a large uh, API Filipino community and was asking, what, what do you think the community needs? What, what would you like to see in a representative? I was excited to hear that because they didn't ask that before. It was just get on the bandwagon because I'm 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 gonna win, versus how can I serve you and and that is telling of that we are being we are visible that our voice counts because our votes count and I believe we can swing an election. I believe that happened with um, the San Diego mayor election. And we now have our first Mestizo Filipino representing us. We have another major election coming up in Chula Vista. That may happen again. And um, But I, I think it's, it, it is telling because people are reaching out. We are getting you know, featured stories and, and interviews. It's, it's all appreciated because that helps advance and amplify our voice and uh, I, I want a, a leadership academy because I, I want to build a huge pool of speaker, a speaker's bureau. So if you want to talk to somebody about housing or education or seniors or youth, it's not just Joanne Fields. It's, it's all of us. And I'm just excited that I'm helping build that. Um, and, and that just is, is great for all of San Diego. So that again, there's the fear when people don't know, but when they hear us, they see us, we work together. And that's how we can uh, get rid of hate because now you know your neighbor and, oh, okay, now I know what that is. Oh, I didn't know that was your experience at home or, you know, so the, I don't want to go on too long because 
I could talk forever. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's very well said, you know, uh, some progress has been made, but still, still a ways to go. But yeah, thank you, yeah. Joanne. Thank you for joining us and, and sharing your insights with us. Oh, thank you. And thank you for making it, it, it fun. Um, uh, I look forward to what the final set may be. <laughs> shared some stuff that I probably wouldn't uh, have shared in a, just a regular conversation, but you made it uh, real comfortable oh. uh, to have this conversation. And, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Joanne, for joining us and to you for listening. Please tell a friend about our show or subscribe to see who we'll be talking to next. We've had on everyone from musicians to scientists to professors and chefs. San Diego is filled with interesting people, and we'd love it if you go check out our lineup on whatever app you're listening to right now. I bet you'll find another guest you want to listen to. Thanks again for joining us, and see you next time.